the title of the message, if you're, if you're taking notes, is, is Truth and Freedom. And I want to look a little bit at the Romans 8.31, but before we get into that, um, I want to look at three different things. I want to look at one, I want to look at the expression of the truth, I want to look at the power of the truth today, and I want to look at the reality of the truth. One of my favorite scriptures um, is 1 John 1, 4, where John says, you know, he's known as the apostle or the disciple, the apostle of love. And he says this in his third letter um, in 3 John 1, 4. He says, or did I say 1 John? It was actually 3 John, not 1 John. Anyways, um, he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I mean, if you're a parent, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big joy. Think about your kids walking in the truth. I know um, my mom, Anita's mom, you know, she's, she's delighted. Even though, even though she lives in Pennsylvania and she misses us very much, uh, it comforts her to know that she, even though she's so far away that we're walking in the truth. And this goes, it could be our family members, we can think of that also, but, you know, as John is writing, he's not just writing to, you know, his own children, so to say, in the sense of his flesh and blood. He's, he's writing to believers that he had poured his life into, saying, there's no greater joy that I could have than this, which is to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And... Uh, as much as the world wants to believe that, you know, truth is just kind of like what you make it to be, I don't believe that. I don't believe that we can just say truth is this and truth is that and truth is this. I believe we're taught truth from God himself. Can you say amen? I mean, even, even Pilate, when, you know, whenever Jesus was getting ready, just moments being crucified, he's talking with Pilate and and he says, you know, Jesus says, all who, you know, come to my father, you know, who know me, who know the truth, they know who I am. And he, Pilate's like, what is truth? There's a lot of people looking for truth right now. And I'll tell you what truth is, because I, I love the Bible. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take from it. It is so beautiful, just as raw as it is, to give us the truth. This is another one of my favorite scriptures is in Psalms 119, which is my favorite chapter in the Bible, and the longest chapter. Psalms 119, 160, it says this, the sum of all your words adds up to absolute truth, and every one of your righteous decrees is everlasting. They last forever. I love this. If we were to take all of God's word from Genesis 1-1 to Revelations 22, whatever the last verse is of that, we were to take everything that was spoken in there, we were sum it up to one word. That's a lot of words. I mean, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of things that was said. If we were to sum up the word of God, the sum of it would be this, truth. It's truth. And I like this translation where it says, it's absolute truth. And I learned this back in, I think it was 1995, I read a book from uh, Josh McDowell. Anybody remember who Josh McDowell is? I know our younger generation probably won't remember who he is, but he was actually known at one time, he was an, like a Christian apologetic, and uh, he, he was really known at one time as the father of America because he just loved, 
you know, uh, the, the youth and just really pouring into them. And, and he had a book called From Wrong to Right, just changing some mentality. And really the whole thing was about truth and really absolute truth. And, and he had this definition. He's like, you know, absolute truth really comes down to it don't matter what you believe or what you, what you think about it is. You can say, well, that's true for you, but it's not truth for me. Absolute truth is so absolute by itself that whether you believe it or not, it don't change the truth of what it is. You could say, I don't believe in that at all, but someday you're going to be confronted with the absolute truth because God's word is truth. Are you with me? And we know that the Bible says that Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. I love, I love this scripture in John 1, 17, where it says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. This is our walk, guys. This is our walk as believers. We come to know the truth, and the truth sets us free. We come to know and understand the reality of who Jesus is for us, what he has done for us, and when we realize who he is and what he has done, and this is something that's always unfolding before us. We're always getting greater revelation. That's a great prayer that Paul, you know, prayed for the churches in, in Ephesus, and he prayed for all the churches that we would have a greater revelation and understanding and knowledge of who he truly is. This is what I pray over you guys. I pray this over myself. I believe it's a great prayer to pray over people that don't even know the Lord that they would have a greater understanding and revelation and knowledge of who God really is. Because if we understood who he really is, man, it would change everything. Do you believe that? So looking at the expression of truth, I want to give you two things. One of them is there are two ways to experience the truth. There's two ways to experience. There's, there's experiences. They're all different. There's all different kinds. They can be summed up in these two different ways that as we really get confronted by truth. And I take these truths out of Acts chapter 237, if you're taking notes, and Acts 554. Two different things were happening here. One, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit was pouring out in, the, in, in chapter 2, all these signs and wonders were happening as the Holy Spirit was speaking through the apostles and the, pro, or the apostles and the disciples that were up there, 120 in the upper room, and they're speaking languages that they don't know, they don't understand, they've never spoken before, but those, the crowds that were round about were hearing them declare the praises and the glory and majesty of God. And they began to wonder what was going on. What's happening? What does this mean? And there's always those jokers that will think something else. Oh, they're just drunk. <laughs> they're just drunk with new wine. Peter's like, no, this is not it. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, no, we're not addicted to alcohol. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in these end times, God will pour out his spirit in your sons and daughters and will prophesy. This is what you're experiencing right now. And he goes on and he begins to tell them what had happened and, and, and about Jesus who he had come. And he was right there. And he's like, many of you even you were here. And many of you even cast in your lots and, and, and believed that, you know, that he was a heretic. He is the one that God sent to be the savior of the world. And I love this. As he was preaching the truth. The Bible says in Acts 2.37, they were pierced to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. That's when the truth begins to penetrate into you. 
and you respond to it. And their response was this because it got into them to the sense that they realized the truth. They were accepting of that truth and they said, what must we do to be saved? Because I'm confronted with the power of this truth. And I see my, my, my brokenness. I see my woundedness. I see, I see who I am in my sinfulness without God. What must I do to be saved? And Peter told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. Amen. Then we have, we have another, another scene where uh, Stephen is really preaching. You know, right before he got martyred, Stephen was the first martyr in the Bible when it came to dying for his life for Christ. And he's talking to the, to the council, the, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the Cs, you know. And uh, he's talking to them, and, and he's, he's declaring the truth. He starts with Abraham, and he goes up through Jesus Christ, and he's like, and you guys, you're the ones that, that hung him on the cross. It was your decision. And the Bible takes a totally different spin, and it says, when he spoke the truth to them, that it cut them to the quick. Really, it cut their hearts. You know, there's, to be pierced in the heart is to like really to penetrate down inside of you. To be cut to the heart is really to take offense at the truth. You're trying to say, I don't want that. You're offended by the words because you think you have it all together. None of us have it all together. Amen. Jesus does. It says they were cut to the quick. These are the two things that can happen. We can either receive the word of God, when it comes, when he speaks truth to our heart, or we can reject it. But to be partakers of the truth, we have to receive it. Doesn't even mean we have to understand it all. That's why we walk by faith. Can you say amen? amen. Then there's two ways to respond to the truth. And I just wanted to give you, uh, you know, saying we you know you can reject it or you can receive it. But I want to give you what the scripture here says. And, and the first place is in Romans 1.18. And Paul was speaking you know, to everybody. And in this one, he's really, you know, speaking to, uh, to his Jewish uh, friends and, 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 and uh, whatever you say, countrymen, so to say, and just really trying to show and prove to them that they uh, are not saved because that they are Israel, but they're saved because they need Jesus Christ in their lives. They've got to submit to him. Amen. It's not just because you're, you're, you're the chosen people to, so to say, you, you still have sin in your life and you still need to repent. You still need to turn to God. And the two responses are you can, you can suppress the truth. This is in Romans 1.18. It says that, you know, every one of us is without, without uh, excuses to believe in God and who he is. And those who choose not to believe, the reason they choose not to believe is because they, they're, they're, they're rejecting it and they're suppressing the truth. It don't do away with the truth. You can push it down. You can try to put it away. You can try to get it out of your conscience. But it's still the truth. It's absolute. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, it remains the same. And the Bible says that, you know, that those who didn't believe is because they suppressed the truth. And I love how it says they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. They loved their unrighteousness more than the righteousness that was available to God. And then we have the other side of that coin, which is a beautiful side. And this is the side I believe we're, we're longing to be and to walk in in Thessalonians. It's in Second Thessalonians 2, 12, uh, 10 through 12 where it says, you know, those who become lovers of the truth. 
They become lovers of the truth, and, and they, they go from being in a kingdom of, of darkness into the kingdom of light because they love the truth. You're embracing the truth and allowing God's word to have its way in your life. And then we get into the power of truth. There's some expression of truth, the power of the truth. And I want to use one of our, our scriptures today for this, which is John 8, 31. And there's a couple I'm going to add to it, but I'll start with verse number 31. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. So there were some Jews that believed in him, that he was who he says he was. And he said, if you continue in my word. Now, we've already established, we've already known this, that, you know, Jesus is the word. So, you know, uh, his word is the truth and Jesus is the word. So Jesus is the truth. So we could actually say here, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my truth, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, there's a lot of stuff just right in here, and I know we've talked a little bit about it before, but when we come to believe in him, he's, he, he tells us, just like he told these Jews at that time, it doesn't change you know, whether it's Jew or not. It's still the same thing. When we come to believe in him, we have to continue or abide or stay or remain faithful to his word, his truth. You know, as, as, as a, a pastor, as your pastor, as a friend, you know, I'll always point people back to the truth. I, wanna, I want to, you know, for myself, I'm not just going to believe, you know, what I think. I want to go back to the word of God because I believe God's word is the final word. I can't believe that for you. You have to believe that for you. But if there's something, if someone is off and, you know, if, uh, if someone is off between the word and my thoughts or my belief system, I believe it's me. It's not God's word. And I believe it's there to be able to help you and I to get back on track. He's, it's there to be able to lead us into him. It's there for the purpose so that we can become more like him. And as we get into the word, as we become lovers of his word, as we want to receive his truth in our hearts and allow it to penetrate into us, even at sometimes when it's so hard. I mean, only God can do that to us whenever he can rebuke us in such a way that it seems such a hard word and it feels like you're, you know, you're getting a butt whooping, but at the same time, you feel like you're being loved like you've never been loved before. <laughs> right? It's like, man, that was hard, but it was so beautiful at the same time. It's like when his truth comes to you, you, you have nothing else that you can try to make excuses for. You just have to say, you're right. I receive that. Or you're right, but I don't want to receive that right now. And I've had friends like that. I've had friends where God dealt with them, and they said out of their own mouths, I know what God is telling me to do, but I'm not ready to give up what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I want to suppress the truth in unrighteousness is really what they're saying. So he said this, if you continue in my word, there's a continuing. This is why it's so important. I, I, I'm such an advocate for this. And you know, I've probably said it, I don't know, maybe a thousand times since being here and, and, and with this church. You've got to get into the word of God. If you'll just read the word. If you're not reading the word, please. Heaven, heaven is is desiring all, all the angels and, and the Godhead are desiring that you would get into the word. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. He works with his word. You've got to get into the word of God. Give up something that you're doing. You can stop watching TV a little bit to take time to get into the word. 
If you'll get into the word, your, your, your relationship with God will begin to skyrocket. You'll put energy there. You'll put some rockets on there. It will take you to new levels because you're getting the word of God on the inside of you. Amen. But you've got, to, you've got to take that time aside, and it's worth it, guys. It is worth it to get into the Word. We've got to abide in His Word. But I love how he says here, if you can, it's when you're continuing, if you continue in my Word, this is how we prove to be disciples of God. Not because we've heard about Him, but because we continue in His teaching. We continue in, in believing and walking in and applying it to our lives. Everything that He says He is, and everything that he says, we are now because of who he is and what he's done. Are you with me? If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And by continuing in my word, you will know the truth. That's that experience. You will begin to experience the truth. This is what's happening around the world right now. This is what revival is when you experience the word of God in the power of his presence. You're experiencing it. We don't need a world full of people who know about God. We need a world full of people who, who has experienced God so that we can instruct other people and be an example to them of who he really is and point to him. That he's not just someone just to know in the sense of head knowledge, but he is someone who is meant to be experienced because he wants you to experience him in your everyday life. You abide in his word, you'll know the truth. Or you're truly disciples of mine. You'll know the truth. You'll come to know. That's what that word know means. There's a, there's a coming to know. There's a perceiving. It's an unfolding. That's why you can read one scripture a hundred times and it's like you know kind of like a little bit about it. And all of a sudden, a deeper revelation begins to come. All of a sudden, boom. Sometimes there's these other truths that God has us to get to. He's building things and he's the only one that can build it. We can't make it go any faster, so to say. We, we can slow it down for sure. But, but as, as, as we're moving along, he's the one that puts everything in order, how it needs to go with revelations that need to come. And as we get into his word, we're giving him something to work with to speak into our lives so that we can receive the truth about who he is. Come on now. You'll come to experience the truth, and when you experience the truth, because you're continuing in the truth, it will make you free. I love uh, uh, another translation says this, if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. That's beautiful. If you embrace the truth, Allow it to pierce you. If you embrace it, it will release more freedom into your lives. So he's, he's speaking to these Jews. This is where we're at now in the, in the context of this. And he goes on in verse number 33. And, and they, re, they reply to him and they say, But we are descendants of Abraham, they said, and have never been slaves to any man on earth. You're talking about us being free. We're, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been a slave to any man on earth. So what do you mean you're going to be set free. And Jesus replied, I love this, you are slaves of sin, every one of you. You're slaves of sin. This is before salvation. We were slaves to sin. If, we're, if, we're, if we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're no longer a slave to sin that has been broken off of us. We may have some sin habits that God is helping us to understand who we are in him so we don't have to be led by those things, but the power of sin has been broken off. Read your Bible. That's what it says. Are you with me? 
says, you're slaves to sin, every one of you. And slaves don't have rights. And, but the son has every right that there is. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Literally, that means, the literal translation of that, you will be free indeed, means in reality, you are free. If the son sets you free, then you are free. We were once slaves. When he came to set us free, we're no longer slaves or servants in that way, you know, depending on the translation that you got. And, and obviously, we're still serving him, you know, out of servitude for him. But we're not like, uh, you know, bound to, to be a slave in, in a sense that way. It's like, uh, one, I don't know if it's a translation or just someone explained it one time. But I, I love, you know, it's like, uh, well, actually, it's, it is in the scriptures where, You'll hear uh, the apostles, you know, talking about in the beginning of some of their letters that they wrote. They'll say, you know, James, a bondservant of the Lord, or Peter, or Paul, a bondservant. And that word bondservant actually means one whose will is totally consumed in the will of another. Because of what they've experienced, when they've experienced the power of God and the, and the life-transforming forgiveness of the blood of Jesus that cleansed their sins, they want to bind their lives to him for eternity. This is what you did for me. Now I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, uh, in a love relationship, you've, you've loved me so much. I'm so overwhelmed by your love. I, I want to love you and seek you and serve you the rest of my life. Can you say amen? amen? But I like what he says in here. He says, slaves don't have rights, but the son has every right. You know, I remember, I remember a, a young man came to uh, Spirit Life whenever we were in the other building, and... Um, he was talking about being a child of God, and he, he was, you know, struggling with certain things, and he had a lot of head knowledge of, of, of the Scripture, and he was talking about, like, well, everybody's a child of God, and I said, no, not everybody's a child of God. He's like, what are you talking about? It says it in the Bible. I said, no, it doesn't say everybody in the, in, that everybody's a child of God in the Bible, and I can show that to you. I wasn't arguing with him, just kind of stating the truth. He's like, but, you know, he created everybody. I said, yeah, and if you want to look at it that way, that we are his children in the sense that he created all humanity, yes, that, you know, we're his in that way. But to be his child, you have to accept the conditions of what he did through his son. And I took him to this scripture in John 1, 12 and 13. It says, to all who believe and accepted or embraced him, talking about Christ, he, God, gave the right to become children of God. You get the right to become a child of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting in human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This is beautiful that we get to be reborn and we don't go have to go back into our mother's womb like Nicodemus was saying. What are you talking about being born again? Do I got to go back? I don't want to do that again. You know, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go through puberty. I don't want to go through all that. You know, all that. No, no, I don't want to. No, you're born in your spirit. That's why. That's why whenever Christ comes in, it's just. And it could be different words that you could use and to express. You know, some of the things that have happened. You you could feel love like you never. You feel clean. You 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 just you just feel so alive because you were dead and separated from God because your your spirit was. I'm disconnected because of sin, then when you accepted Jesus, his spirit came to live on the inside of you and brought you back to life. You were born of God. You received the right 
to become a child of God. That, that word right is, it's a privilege. It's an ability you received from him. It's because you believed this intangible thing. It's, it's so awesome just how God works. He gives us something. It's, it's all about our faith in him and, and, and responding to what he has done. It's nothing that we can make on our own. We can't put it together. We can't get tools and make this happen. It's just believing in who he is and what he said he has done for us. And then he does this thing for us. He gives us the right. He gives us the privilege. He gives us the authority to become his children. God, you're so good. Father, we just, we just want to become more like you. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be like him because he's that good. Can you say amen? And I, I want to use this as I kind of, you know, get to the last part of my, my message this morning. I just look at this place in, in John chapter 6, and I'm going to kind of give like a, 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 a rundown kind of to keep us in context of, of, uh, of John chapter 6. But in John chapter 6, you know, Jesus begins to talk about, you know, eating his flesh and drinking his blood and all these things. And it almost sounds like, what the heck? Is it like cannibalism here? What's going on? What are you talking about? And he's just like, you know, at that time, there was a lot of people because he had thousands of people following him. And this came a time whenever he began to talk to them. He began to talk to them about a truth that needed to be received in order for them to understand who he is and what he's done. And a lot of them couldn't receive it by faith. And everything has to be received by faith. So I'm just going to kind of go down. I'm going to give you what's happening because it all kind of goes together. And then we're going to look at several scriptures. So... In John chapter 6, it actually starts out with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay, I'm not going to go into that whole story. He feeds the 5,000. After he feeds the 5,000, um, he sends his disciples on ahead of him, and they cross, you know, they get into the storm and stuff, and they're crossing over. He stayed behind and let the people go, and he spent some time in prayer. And the Bible says early in the morning, you know, about the third or fourth watch, that he comes to them walking on the sea, right? And they're scared. Ah! As it goes, now it's me. And then they get in, then they, then they come to the other side. When we got to the other side, um, the disciples came, the, all the crowd that was there to see him, the 5,000, a lot of them didn't say how many, but they, they were looking for him. And he got out of the boat, and they're coming and they're saying, Teacher, when did you get here? We didn't see, we didn't see you leave. And he says, You're seeking me not because you ate um, uh, natural food. But, but you are not because of the signs that you saw, but because you ate spiritual food and it satisfied you. And he's, then he began to tell him, listen, seek the spiritual food that will be able to sustain you into eternal life. Don't just go after regular food. Don't, we're not talking about fish and bread here. We're talking about the truth of the words that were spoken that will bring eternal life to you. You bring eternal salvation that will help you in your everyday life as you're walking in this journey. And they begin to, uh, you know, he begins to talk with them, and uh, they begin to ask him for a sign. And first they say to him, you know, well, Lord, you know, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom the Father has sent. Now he's asking them for a commitment. And this is where we as believers Always need to be, am I committed? Am I going to go the whole way? Or am I just going to go until I don't understand it anymore? And they, when he's asking him, he's like, hey, you're supposed to believe in him who he has sent, the son of man. And they said to him, well, give us a sign. What sign are you going to show us that you are truly the Christ? 
And they go back. They look at things from Moses' time. They're like, our fathers were given manna from heaven by God. What are you going to do? And Jesus goes in to tell them, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Now we stirring some more things up. Now you're seeing the difference between those who are going to receive that are going to get pierced in their heart or those who are going to reject. They don't want to receive it. Now you're getting a little deeper. What are you talking about? I, I am the bread of life. And I love this one in one of the scriptures in here. He says, he, whoever believes in me shall never hunger again. And whoever thirsts for me will never thirst again. I love that. Now he's, he's stirring these people up. Now the Jews begin to get offended. The Jews that are there, now they're getting upset about his teaching because it's like, hey, we're upset because you said that you were the bread that came down from heaven. This is where we're at. I had to, had to get you here to see where we're at. And the Jews began to grumble. Now let's look at John 6, 53. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Man, that's hard to understand, right? Sometimes it's like, what the heck are you talking about? Simplest way I can do that, as I was you know, looking at this and just praying it out, the simplest way I could say to be able to understand this the most is to bring clarity to, because we know that he's talking spiritually, but I believe Jesus is saying this, if you don't consume the truth of who I am and what I've done, you will never experience true freedom. You have to consume the truth of who I really am and what I have really done. What, what I had to do because of your condition, because of my great love for you. If you don't believe this, if you can't consume this, you're never going to be able to walk in freedom. Remember, you're talking about you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And a couple scriptures down in verse number 60 he, it says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? How can anyone accept this? Now, there being, you know, some of these, are, there's a mixture of Gentiles and Jews, but, you know, for the Jews, the challenge is they, were, they, they put all their hope and their reliance in the law of Moses. And because they were the chosen people. But Paul brings it out. I love as you study out the law, as you study out the law, you can see if you read like Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, especially if you kind of collaborate all those together looking at it, the law was really given just for the purpose to show that you'll never be perfect in God's eyes. It was there, as Hebrews would say, the law was given to point you to Christ. That's all it's doing. Because it took the law to show that we had a sinful nature and that we were apart from God. And it's, it did its purpose. It, it did its purpose. It leaned us to him. Now, here he is. I am the one who has come. You can't put your hope in the law because you'll never be able to fulfill that. If you break one point, you break the whole law. You, no one has ever been able to, to fulfill the law except for Christ himself. And he did it perfectly for us. 
in our stead. And they said, this is a hard saying. This, and he wasn't talking about his disciples here. He was just talking about his, the other followers that were following him. This is a hard to understand. How can you accept it? There are certain things that you're just going to have to accept. You may not have a full understanding of what's going on. You just have to accept by faith. Are you with me? You didn't know all that was going to happen whenever you got saved. You didn't, you didn't have complete, complete, total complete revelation of even what was really happening in your life whenever you surrendered. You just had an encounter with God. You said yes, and you began a process of experiencing him and the life that he brings. You didn't understand it all. You just received it by faith. So if it started with faith, why would it end any other way? It's our whole life walking in faith, trusting and relying on God. Let me go down a couple more scriptures, and he says, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, but some of you do not believe me. You can see this all through scripture. There's always going to be someone who chooses not to believe. There'll always be people that will choose not to believe. Paul, and whenever he was on his missionary journeys, the first thing that he would do, like his custom was, he would go to the synagogue to try to explain to people who Jesus was through the scriptures. And their scriptures at that time was the law, you know, the, the books of the prophets and the laws of Moses. And he would be able to take them through and say, listen, this person, Jesus, he fulfilled all of this. And there would be those who would believe in him and there would be those who rejected him. That comes down to a personal choice. And then Jesus, this time he does look to his disciples. And it says in verse number 66, as a result of what was being taught here up to this point, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. I can't, I can't go any further. I can't swallow, I can't swallow this truth. I, 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 just, I just can't do it. So Jesus said to, one translation says he looked at his 12. Jesus looked at his 12 and he said, you do not want to go away also, do you? Well, thank the Lord for their answer because, you know, up to this point, you know, in, in his ministry, do I got to start over again? You guys, <laughs> did I push you too hard? <laughs> Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I want to I leave you with this. This scripture has helped me so many times in things that I don't understand. When there's things that you don't understand about God or how he's going to work things or how he's going to do things, how he's going to bring things about, whatever it would be, I go back to what I do know about God. I've already come to know that God is good. So whatever happens in my life, if there's something that seems to be bad, I know that's not of God. Are you with me? These are some basic truths. But I have to go back to those things for things that I don't understand. And Peter wasn't saying that I understand everything. He was just saying, where are we going to go to? Because I've come to believe that you have the answers. And not only do you have the answer, that you are the answer. So this has helped me because 
And I believe, I believe this is what I want to leave you with today is that when you're going through things that you just don't understand and you can't comprehend, you fall back. There, is, he, is, he, is he who he says he is to you? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Then there's, there's nothing else out there to seek after. I go back to him with what I don't understand. I'm not looking somewhere else for some other answer. I'm not putting a limit on God and being like, okay, God, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go to Buddha. You know, it, it don't work that way. No, there is no other place to go. So whenever I don't understand whatever I'm walking through, I keep running back to the same place into who he is and what he's done. Because what's missing is my revelation of who he is. And, and, and a revelation that he needs to give me of who I am or who you are because of what he did. Are you with me? Would you stand up? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just bless you this morning. We thank you for your truth. Thank you for the truth that's in your word, that you are the truth. You're everything that we need, Lord God, and we need a greater revelation, understanding, and knowledge of who you are. I pray this would get into every single one of us, Lord God, because as I can see in that prayer and, and different prayers that, that Paul prayed, Lord God, and I know that we could be like, God, I, uh, I need finances in this situation, Lord. I need you to come through with finances, Lord. What we need is not necessarily finances, even though that is a need that you will supply. What we need is a greater revelation of who you are as provider. Lord, you are provider. If it's something physical, Lord, we need a greater revelation of who you are as healer. If we're being oppressed by something or harassed by the enemy, then, Lord, what we need is a greater revelation of who you are as deliverer and what you have already delivered us from and the authority that you have already given us because of what you have already done and accomplished. So, Father, we just thank you for that today. We honor you for that. And I want to encourage you guys, uh, you know, to seek out friendships with one another, to share with one another. We all go through things. We walk through things. We need each other. Um, and sometimes just, you know, being able to share those things that are on your heart with somebody else of like faith can help, help just kind of relieve those things that are on your own, own heart. And, and it puts also, that's a, how we carry one another's burdens because then we understand what other people are going through. And we, and we can be used by God to be able to pray and to be able to lift them up so that they can experience God in a new way. Can you say amen?